Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. I'm alone, but I got a goat on the phone. It's my man Greg Biggins. GB, what it do? Keith, what's up, man? How was your weekend? It was very profitable, Greg Biggins. Very profitable. I like that. Food, folks, football, and fun. We'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of move forward in the show today, but... Nevertheless, going to run down our segments. We got our recruiting coming up with the GOAT. We got a sleeper of the week from Cajon. We got game recaps from last Friday's big games. We got to talk a little bit about the local college kids who made their debuts. And then we're going to bring this baby to a close. But Greg Biggins, it's time for recruiting, my man. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. What you got for us? We got a couple new commitments. Neither of them are from the SoCal area, but they are from a high school people are pretty familiar with. And that is Bishop Gorman out there in Las Vegas, Nevada, where you made some money. <laughs> Keith, nice work. Am I allowed to say that? No one cares if you did your thing out there, right? Nobody cares. Hey, so Trayvon Ma'a, like, uh, outside linebacker, um, defensive end, kind of a 3-4 guy. He went ahead and he committed to the University of Oregon. Have you ever heard that the Oregon Ducks, Keith, are kind of doing pretty well? On the recruiting trail, seems like every single week, right? Every we week, the Oregon Ducks picks up a new player. This week, it is that hybrid outside backer, defensive end, really athletic kid. Saw him at the Las Vegas Elite Eleven workout and tested really well. Looks the part. Still kind of raw as a football player, but you talk about a kid with the frame that you want to see in a young athlete that you can kind of mold. It's this guy right here, Keith. Trevin. Ma'a. Is that how you say it, GB? I just say Ma'a. Ma'a. You know, not a great football player right now, Greg. Went back, looked at the tape of him. He's got a nice frame. He's got athletic ability. Not a great football player right now. But again, recruiting is about projection and upside. Two words that we repeat over and over on this show. Oregon staff does a great job recruiting, great job evaluating talent, and then developing once they get to campus. Ma'a 
is a kid with a, a terrific upside. He's got to learn how to play the game the right way, play in space, rush the passer with some flexibility, some bend, and some reach. But nevertheless, a guy that can get onto the Oregon campus, be developed by those coaches, three square meals a day, and turn himself into a really good football player with a chance to be an all-pack 12 football player down the road. GB? Yeah, also from Bishop Gorman's Falcon, Kamatule. He's the younger brother of a couple other older Kamatules. Uh, not as highly touted, Falcon. 6'7", uh, 6'8". Again, just a giant kid, defensive end, tight end type. He committed to Utah. And kind of everything you said about Trevin, kind of, I would say, applies to Falcon. Right now, not a great football player. But if you look at, you know, his body... And, and that frame is something that you can do so many different things with. You can really bulk him up. You can kind of keep him athletic if you want to play him, you know, on, on the opposite side of the ball. But a kid who we had been hearing about since seventh, eighth grade because of his older two brothers, uh, Canton Kamatule was the most recent one. Uh, Utah does a great job developing players, probably as good as anybody out west. Um, and Falcon is a guy who I think they see kind of coming in. Uh, develop it into a, a pass rushing defensive end. And I kind of like what the Utes are doing right now. they got a bunch of players that are all kind of, I would say, um, I would classify them as football players. They're, they're guys that just know how to play the game. Falcon is kind of more of the, the project. I would say kind of similar to Luke Felix. So I'd say those two guys are guys that, you know, probably going to be at least a red shirt, maybe a backup. And then maybe by their third year in the program, you can kind of see them competing for playing time. Sure, Falcon. I mean, you know, some things you can teach on a football field, GB. You can't teach six seven. You can't teach that length. Falcon, though, when I watched him against Modern Day, had a lot of trouble with twenty twenty super offensive lineman Miles Moreau. Moreo, excuse me. Uh, Falcon needs to learn how to bend his knees, play with leverage, and really get those elbows locked out with those thumbs up and hand placement to keep offensive linemen out of his body and become more physical at the point of contact. Nevertheless, Falcon going to be a Utah U. Congratulations to his family, himself, and the Utah program. I think it's a really good fit, GB. Yeah, and then kind of a transfer, but we're going to go ahead and put it here for recruiting notes because it was a former Southern California kid, Tristan Jebia. Uh, they made it official over the weekend. Um, he actually transferred into Oregon State. And there's a connection there, obviously. One of his top schools coming out of high school was Washington, whose offensive coordinator was Jonathan Smith, who is now the head coach at Oregon State. So Tristan uh, lost out um, the starting job and decided, you know what, I'm out of here. I don't fit the offense. They don't think I fit the offense. I'm going somewhere else that's going to be a little more pro style as opposed to a little more spread. Uh, again, coaches, I believe, uh, made it official over the weekend. Tristan Jebe, he obviously has to sit out this year. But it's a really good fit for Oregon State in the sense that they've really struggled badly uh, when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks. And even this year, they've offered a couple uh, lost out with runner-ups for a couple guys. Paul Pifferi, uh to Purdue was the most recent one who they thought they had a great chance with. So Oregon State struggling to get a kid out of high school, goes to the transfer market for a kid that Dustin Smith is familiar with. Uh, Jebbia put up gaudy numbers out of Calabasas. Um, Back-to-back CF championships at Calabasas. Still has three years of eligibility left. So uh, nice job for Jeb. He had to find a home. And also for Oregon State, who kind of has been struggling to find a quarterback. They're able to get a guy that they think can come in there and fit in pretty well, Keith. Sure. I mean, Jebby, the all-time leading passage 
all-time leading yardage leader, all-time leading <laughs> yardage leader, all-time passing leader in yardage in the he southern threw, section. Threw for a lot of yards. Yeah, in the he southern all-time, I think yeah. 13,000 yards in his career. Uh, there's no bad. question the ability is there. The kid is a smart kid. Um, he understands offense. He understands concepts. He can get the ball out and be accurate with the football. One thing I like about the fit at Oregon State is, number one, Jonathan Smith, a former quarterback's coach, uh, a former offensive coordinator, now leading the program up there in Corvallis. And they have nice weapons right now um, for Jonathan Smith to be able to come and plug in and play early. Uh, I know he has to sit out a year, but he has a chance to come in and play as soon as he's eligible. I really like what I saw to Oregon State versus Ohio State. Defensively, they have problems. They need personnel. But offensively, they had some really special football players, Greg. I want to shout these guys out. Trevin Bradford, he's a receiver. I mean, a 4-3 guy. He had six catches, 104 yards, two touchdowns. He was really good. Isaiah Hodgins, um, he's a kid that we watched during the circuit and, and a couple of years ago out here in Southern California uh, at 7-on-7s. Seven and, and he had a huge year in Northern California as a football player. He's a really good receiver. But they got a running back. Artavis Pierce against that Ohio State, that vaunted Ohio State defense. He had 170 yards and two touchdowns on 11 carries, Greg. And this kid, let me tell you, man, this dude was explosive. Two steps, he was at full speed. I was very impressed with this guy. Uh, He's going to be a special running back in Corvallis. You can mark that down right now. And they run a really nice offense, something dynamic. It's not a ton of a spread. It's more of a spread pro style. And I really like what John Smith is doing. So to get back to my original point, Tristan Jebbia uh, should be a guy that can come and plug and play once he's eligible. They've got weapons around for him to get the ball to. And they should be very, very productive there in Corvallis. So nice job, Oregon State, getting their quarterback of the future and Mr. Jebbia transferring from the University of Nebraska. GB? Yeah, and a couple of new offers. Don't we, don't we haven't been doing too many of the new offers because it was a dead period for a long time, and, and sometimes it can get kind of boring just rambling off. But a couple I thought were pretty significant. Jalen McMillan from San Joaquin Memorial, junior receiver, I really like a lot, uh, the Fresno area. He picked up one from LSU, and then Elias Ricks picked up one from Penn State. So a couple of really good-looking junior athletes. He had a couple of top fives, which means we had a – a uh, handful of players who kind of cut the list down to five. Henry Toto from Denisau, elite linebacker. Uh, final five is Cal, Alabama, Tennessee, Washington, and Oregon. Kind of a diverse top five. He's got some Denisau ties to Alabama and to Tennessee. Tosh Lupo at Bama. Kevin Simon is over at Tennessee. And those two schools might actually be the leader. Um, he, he mentioned he has a bye at the end of September. And that might be the weekend he tries to go take a visit. And I think it might be one of those two schools. He took unofficial trips to both those two over the summer, Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, Cal is a local school. Um, he's obviously been there a ton of times. And, and Cal is, is kind of put together a really good class. So I think if they could, you know, pull in uh, a Toto, that would, that would be remarkable for them. And then Washington and Oregon seem to be in, involved with every top kid out west. So that's Toto's top five. Uh, Siali Liku at an Oakland High School two-way lineman. Uh, he was up at UCLA for his official visit. He cut his uh, top five to Cal, UCLA, Oregon State, Colorado, and Illinois. I think it's probably a Cal-UCLA battle for him. Cal likes him for D-line, UCLA for the O-line. Uh, Laitu Latu uh, also um, on his official visit over the weekend to UCLA. Uh, he is down to Cal, Oregon. 
USC, UCLA, and Washington. And then Siaki Ika, he has a top eight of Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Oregon, USC, Utah, and Washington. Uh, Alabama's a pretty heavy leader there. Uh, but again, I, I think he's a guy that takes a handful of official visits before he makes a decision. And uh, as of right now, it looks like Bama could be the place for the big-time nose guard. And a bunch of guys who took their official trips over the weekend, Keith. That was the first weekend that guys could do that. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is actually at FSU right now. I talked to him a little bit after the Honor Bowl. That was on a Saturday. And because the game FSU played against Vod Tech was a Monday night game, he was able to fly out Saturday night and spend all day Sunday, all day Monday. And he's back today. I really think FSU right now is probably the team to beat, just the way he talks about the schools. I think Alabama's got a great chance, too. But I, I just got the feeling that, you know, FSU just seems to check off a lot of boxes that he's looking for. Uh, other significant visits, Jackson Turner and Micaiah Polk both visited Arizona. And I think the Cats have a chance to pull in both of those two guys. Uh, Jaden Daniels, quarterback, is uh, here to visit the Cal. Uh, Utah and UCLA are also on him heavily. He's going to visit UCLA in two weeks. And then Utah, I want to say, is going to be in October. Watch out for Utah. They already have Darren Jones, and they're doing really good with Daniel Fortune, his other teammate at Cajon High School. And then Notre Dame tripped in a, a handful of kids. Uh, Isaiah Rutherford, Enoke Vimehe, Braylon Trice. Uh, again, Notre Dame does a great job with their trips. They had a big win over Michigan. Looked really good. And uh, I know reading the interviews that Blair and Huff did with Rutherford and Vimehe, uh, it looks like the Irish did a great job, as they always do. Uh, no imminent commitments for either of those two guys. I think USC, UCLA um, are involved with Vimehe, with Rutherford. Uh, I think Cal is heavily involved. Um, he recently cut his list down to five. And he's a guy who I, I think Cal's got a real chance that his dad played there. And again, it kind of comes down to these kids want to stay home. It's kind of like, if you go, I'll go. I get, I get that sense, you know, with his teammate at uh, uh, Jesuit Rutherford, or with Rutherford's teammate Latu, he's friends with Toto. I almost get the feeling like if, if a couple of these guys decide to stay home and go to Cal, they could have a really, really special class. Wow. Uh, also, Keenan Christian. Yeah, last yeah. one for you, Keith. Yeah, go ahead. Keenan Christian uh, took his official visit to UCLA. I, I think USC and UCLA are probably his top two. I think it's pretty close. I do think USC's got an edge. He wants to run track. USC just won. Uh, excuse me, USC is uh, one of the nation's top track programs, and that is a big deal for him. He's a 10, 500-meter guy. Football-wise, I think it's probably a wash. I think track gives USC an edge. And uh, that's it for recruiting notes this week, Coach well, Keith. That's interesting. A lot of players named, but I kept hearing one school named a lot, Greg, Cajon. Cajon Cowboys. Jaden Daniels, Darren Jones. Hey, they got guys. I feel a segue coming on, Keith. Do I, do I feel a segue coming on right Greg, now? Hey, Greg, being as you know me well, my friend, it's time for our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects 
that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right. Our sleeper of the week this week is a kid that I was, you know, visually introduced to on Friday night. I had a chance to go out to some games, but I decided to stay home and watch a few games on my computer or watch a couple on TV. Got a chance to look at the Marietta Valley Cajon game. Knew it was going to be high scoring. Two prolific passers. Spank Bachmeyer. Jaden Daniels. But I was really, really uh, impressed and taken aback by a defensive player from the Cajon Cowboys. I want to talk a little bit about my guy, Trayvon King. 2020, six foot two. Max Prep says 205. Or 210. I'm saying 255, Greg. This ain't no little dude right here. Okay, my guy Trayvon King. He's kind of a hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle. He's only a junior. I think he's going to grow into be a defensive tackle. But he's physical. He's got a quick first step. He finishes at the quarterback. He plays with a lot of energy and passion. Looks like he's having fun out there. Mark it down right now. This is a Pac-12 player. Trayvon King. I think he's going to be an interior guy. He'll be a vertical penetrating guy. He's got quick hands. He's savvy. He's smart. 255 pounds at 6'2". Pac-12 recruit. Coming soon. He's only a junior now. He'll dominate as a senior next year. Trayvon King from the Cajon Cowboys. The, the hot and on fire Cajon Cowboys, I might add. This is a really good football team. And we'll talk about that down the road. But this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. Goes to Trayvon King, Cajon Cowboys Jr., defensive end, defensive tackle. Congratulations. You're a baller. GB? <laughs> hey, man, those Cajon Cowboys played with a huge amount of Cajonies over the weekend. I watched that game as well. They're much better than last year's team, which last year's team, only all they, all they did was win a CF championship and go pretty far. This year's team, just defensively, look, look, they look a lot better, so I, I like their team a lot. I think they're going to get a chance to make a long, long extended run all the way into December. No doubt about that. Hey, man, I am, I'm with you and I'm on that Cajon bandwagon and, and, and we'll talk about that as we kind of recap games. Speaking of that, GB, it's time to get to that segment of the show. Let's recap some of these games, Greg. Let's talk a little bit about it. What you got for us up first on tap? Would you want to you hit stat? Stat stars first, like we normally do, or do you want to? Holy smokes! First? Did I miss our top performers? So that's like your that's like your favorite part of the segment. That's my baby. Are you kidding that's, me? That's it right there. Let's start it off, GB. Of course, we always start off here in SoCal. It's near and dear to our house, our hearts. Excuse me. This is our hometown. Let's start off around your way, GB. Let's go to Marina High School. Running back Farrell Rush, thirty-nine carries, one hundred ninety-six yards, three touchdowns. Go to Edison High School, wide receiver Cole Koffler, nine catches, 265 and three touchdowns. Running back DJ Ford, 
out of Norcote, 280 yards and four touchdowns. Running back Derek Boyd out of Reseda. He's a freshman GB, three touchdowns. Derek Boyd, he's a baller. Running back Cam Davis out of Upland, 164 yards and two touchdowns. Wide receiver Taj Davis out of Upland, two touchdowns as well. Quarterback Luca DeMont, Venice High School, four touchdown passes. Quarterback DJ Ui Adelele out of Bosco. 26 of 32, 373, and six touchdowns. Defensive end Cole Aubrey with four total sacks. That's a season for a lot of guys, but sack man Aubrey does it week in and week out. Running back Jackson Sturdy from Sydney Valley, 22 carries, 320 yards, and two touchdowns. GB, take it over from there. Let me just piggyback on DJ Wooby LA. His favorite target was a guy who goes by the name of Kobe Bowman. Yes, sir. I thought Kobe with seven catches for 130 and three touchdowns. I love what Cole Aubrey did as well. How about go, we go back to Cajon Cowboys? We haven't talked enough about Cajon just yet, Keith. How about we keep going? How about Jaden Daniels? Yes, sir. Threw for 344 and five touchdowns. Rust for one, five, seven, and one touchdown. And their big win. Darren Jones, call him Jonesy. Seven catches, one five one, and two touchdowns. Daniel Fortune, four catches, ninety four yards. He had two touchdowns. And Oklahoma bound. Jonathan Perkins had eighteen tackles in that game. He was outstanding. How about Jaden Casey? How's this for efficient? Twelve of fourteen, two nine one, three touchdowns, and he rushed for one in Calabasas. His big win over Londell. How about Westlake? This kid just keeps making plays. Jason Heller, Keith, my guy, no doubt. Oh, Twelve catches. 12. Yes. Not 11. He had 12 for 160 and two big touchdowns. How about this kid? Not only did he put numbers, but his team won because of him. Blake Sturgill from Moore Park, 262 and two touchdowns. The guy was nailed at the end of the game, Keith. They went for not the tie. They went for the two-point conversion and the win. Yes. And they got it because he threw the ball to a guy named Drake London. That's a great way to go ahead and convert that two-point conversion. I love quarterbacks that win games. <laughs> to me, that's what you should be always judged upon. Stats are awesome. you got to win games if you're a quarterback. Blake Sturgill gets it done with a two-point conversion. Drake London also had eight other catches for 113 yards in that one. Keith, back to you. Let's go with quarterback Nathan Manning out of Capo Valley. Five touchdown passes. How about quarterback Ethan Garbers for CDM? Six touchdown passes, and he broke a school record. Matthew Fiava. He had a great performance, 17 carries, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and he helped Fallon Valley, excuse me, Fountain Valley get a W. Athlete Isaac Galvan out of Orange, 200 all-purpose yards and four touchdowns. How about, let's go to modern-day high school. Quarterback Bryce Young, 12 out of 15, 250 yards and four touchdowns. Let's go with running back Ja'Kai Torres out of St. Bernard's, four touchdown runs. And then wide receiver Sarah Gardena. L.V. Bunkley Shelton in the Honor Bowl, 12 catches, 170 yards. GB? I am going to go. You know, I'm going to piggyback your credit, Delmar. Ethan Garbers. By the way, he tied his rec- his, the record with his brother Chase Garbers. It's kind of a cool little deal. Keep oh, yeah. The family. But John Humphreys has five catches. Four of those were for touchdowns. He nice. Ten touchdowns in two weeks, Keith. You, re- you really like this kid, Greg. I do. I mean, he's 6'5 and fast and athletic. That's kind of a nice little trio yeah, of traits to no have. Doubt. John Humphreys, four touchdowns, 155. Again, 10 touchdowns in the last two weeks for Mr. John Humphreys. Only a junior. So with Ethan Garbers, Keith. Nice. About Jackson Sterling from Simi Valley, 320 yards, two touchdowns. 
kind of surprised by that. Usually you have 320, you have like seven touchdowns. Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, but yeah, he de- he deserves to mention with over 300 yards rushing, no doubt. How about this kid? How about Jackson Sterling from Simi Valley? We I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going with him. I'm going to play my dog. How about Montrell Diggs? Great brethren. Yes. Rushed for 209 yards and two touchdowns, and their big 13-12 and 12 win over St. Margaret's. That's a nice little rivalry right there. And Keith, I got some out-of-state kids, so I'm going to go ahead and save those until you're done. With, yeah. our little, with our SoCal contingent. No, I'm done with SoCal. I'm going to take it to NorCal really quick. How about Do Pro it. Football Hall of Fame Academy All-American running back Austin Jones of Bishop O'Dowd, 213 yards, two touchdowns versus De La Salle. What about Reggie Ratzleff from Centennial? Two receiving touchdowns, and he threw a touchdown. Defensive check, check, Reggie Ratzleff. He's from SoCal. Why do I have him in my NorCal section? My bad, Reggie Ratzleff. I know you're a SoCal guy, but you, I got to show you love. Two touchdowns receiving and one throwing. How about DB Nate Ruchena out of Monta Vista? He had a receiving touchdown. He had two interceptions and one for a touchdown. He balled out. Quarterback Jay Butterfield out of Liberty, 225 yards, 225 yards, four touchdowns. He, he and the Liberty High School football team, they snapped Oakland McClyman's 26-game win streak with a dominant performance. Athlete Lovelace Rufus out of Moro, excuse me, Moreau Catholic, two touchdowns. And he also had two interceptions. Quarterback Logan Sumpner out of Clayton Valley, 11 of 14, 325 and four touchdowns, which was a school record. Quarterback Caden Bennett out of Folsom. How about this? 17 for 18, 450 yards, five touchdowns. My boy KB over there doing work in sack. Then running back Dawson Fay out of Nevada Union, 246 yards and four touchdowns. Running back Hans Grassman out of Placer, 309 yards and five touchdowns. And then running back Jacob Tratch, consumes Oaks, 384 yards, six touchdowns. He was probably the national player of the week. GB? I don't know about that one, Keith, because there's a kid who goes by the name of Sam Heward. Did you hear about what he did? I, over the I did, and it was ridiculous. Go with it. Oh, my goodness. How about nine touchdowns in the first half alone? Ten total, 551 yards in a 72-20 to 20 win. Dude, nine touchdowns. I'm sure people are probably going, dude, if you're up by that many points, why are you still throwing? I've always kind of been like, you know, play out the first half, and then if you want to kind of pull the dogs back, Maybe doing the second half. He had nine of those ten touchdowns in the first half. Keith, you could have had you could have had fifteen touchdowns if they would have let him go. Sam Heward with some bloodlines and a huge opening win. Yeah, body Sam Heward. Yeah, no. How about this was a little disappointing? How about Dylan Morris? And the reason why I say disappointing is because his team was playing against Sheldon on an ES Sheldon Oregon in an ESPN game. It's supposed to be Dylan Morris versus Michael Johnson. Unfortunately, Michael Johnson cannot play in the game. He had a shoulder injury. Dylan Morris still went off with 313 yards and four touchdowns, including the game-winning two-point conversion, much like Mr. Blake Sturgill. So Dylan Morris gets it done statistically, and also he wins games. Hey, how about Timmy Valley running back Jackson Sterling, Keith? Okay, I'm done with that joke. That joke is old, <laughs> but it was funny the second time around. Keith? Yep. Why don't you take us home? I'll take you home, GB. You know I got you, champ. Let's take it to San Diego. I got a bunch of guys. Running backs, Carson and Aiden Lippert, big brother, older brother, they combined for La Costa Canyon for 24 carries, 285 yards, and three touchdowns. They balled out. Quarterback from Mira Mesa, 
Noah Tumblin, 10 of 13, 238, three touchdowns, passing, two touchdowns rushing. That's five total. Running back Keenan Christen from Madison High School, four carries, 174 yards, three touchdowns. That's a little bit over 30 yards per carry, GB, if you're good with your math. Quarterback Kenyon Kenyon Williams from Kearney, 10 of 18, 257, and six touchdowns. Wide receiver Casey Granfers out of University City, nine receptions, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. Quarterback Gunnar Gray out of University City, 17 to 21, 302, and five touchdowns. Quarterback Clay Petrie from Bishops, two touchdown passes, one rushing touchdowns, and he had a punt return with a minute to go to win the game versus Modern Day Catholic. Linebacker. That kid's good, Keith. That kid's good. He was supposed to be the main receiver for Tyler Buckner at Bishop's. Yeah. Buckner tore his ACL, so they moved Petrie from receiver to quarterback. But that guy is an elite prospect. He's going to be really good in a couple of years. Young youngster. Well, that's good to know. That's really good to know. Let's go with linebacker Michael Harrington from Modern Day Catholic. He had four sacks in that game. Linebacker Jake Weeze out of La Jolla, 13 tackles. Running back Dustin Ellison out of Sarah, 23 carries. 187 yards, four touchdowns. Running back Jamal McClendon. He's on here every week, Greg. Nine carries, 164 yards, four touchdowns. His teammate, Logan Schmidt, had 10 tackles and three sacks. Running back Ty Virgin out of Mount Carmel. 36 carries, 247 yards, and five touchdowns. Running back Dorian Richardson, who was on last week. He's from Rancho Buena Vista, 27 carries, 225 yards, and two touchdowns. And my last guy from the San Diego area, quarterback Philip Gooding from La Jolla Country Day, five touchdown passes. Really quick, GB, I want to take it to Nevada. Running back Christian Vaughn of Desert Oasis, 14 carries, 202 and four touchdowns. Running back Thorsten Balmer from Boulder City, 214 yards, two touchdowns. We're going to swoop down to Arizona really quick. Running back Tawee Walker from Centennial. 100 yards, two touchdowns. And I know that doesn't sound like a huge game, Greg, but he did that against Bishop Gorman. And Centennial goes into Gorman, and they upset the Gales. The Gales are now 0-2 for the first time since 2005. That's 13 years ago. Tawee Walker, he is a transfer from another school. Uh, from from the Vegas area who transferred to Centennial, which is in Arizona, and he goes and pops Bishop Gorman. He's the leading rusher. Quarterback Mason Scrimager, Scrimager from Goodyear High School, 555 yards, seven touchdowns of total offense. Quarterback Jalen Kitna from Brophy Prep. I believe, I believe this is John Kitna's son, Greg. 235 yards, five touchdowns passing, and one rushing touchdown. You have any background on that, GB? I, you know why I saw that stat? I was going to look him up. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, but uh, I, I kind of want to assume it's he's a relative of some kind. Yeah, I, I believe I believe Kitna coaches there, and his son is a sophomore quarterback. So six total touchdowns for him. Quarterback Gunner Cruz out of Queen Creek. This guy is always putting up numbers. Eighteen for twenty, four hundred thirteen yards, three touchdowns. Couple guys left. Spencer Brash out of Higley, three hundred twenty-four yards, five touchdowns. He also ran 400 yards and a touchdown. Last but not least, nationally renowned quarterback out of Chaparral in Arizona, quarterback Jack Miller. I believe he's an Ohio State commit, correct, Greg? He, he sure is. Go Bucks. 264 yards and five touchdowns. And that does it. For th- I, I got a couple Arizona guys. Okay. I got one okay. Arizona guy. You covered everybody else. Gunnar Cruz, you mentioned he's a Washington State commit. So that's why he's putting up the numbers. And I yeah. think you mentioned Spencer Brash, right? Yes. Yes, he's I a did. He's Cal commit. Yes. Uh, he's going to Cal. But hey, how about this? How about J.D. Johnson from Pinnacle? And I know you're familiar with Pinnacle High School, right? They Absolutely. Got they got a quarterback that's pretty good. 
Spencer Rattler. Well, absolutely. He hurt his ankle two weeks ago. J.D. Johnson, a 2020 kid, already has offers from Arizona and Colorado State. You know, you know, he's just a backup. He's six four, really good looking kid. Keith, he was 18 for 26 for 401 and four touchdowns. Wow. So, in the last two weeks, he came in for the game. He came in for Rattler. They're playing Mountain Point. That was a battle of two top five teams in Arizona. Sure, sure. Rattler got hurt in the first quarter. J.D. Johnson came in and lit it up. So in two games this year, he's got seven touchdowns, no interceptions, 651 yards. This kid's legit. And guess who Pinnacle plays this weekend, Keith? The J. Sarah Lions. My J. Sarah Lions. That, dude, that is going to be a Where's game. that game, it's, GB? It's going to be at Moore Park High School. So I think it's kind of like, like a two or three deal where uh, – I think Shakeley's coming down to play somebody. You mentioned Spencer Brash. I think Shakeley's yeah. coming down to play. Might even be, might even be playing Moore Park. Uh, Moore mm. Park's the host. So I think there might be a couple games. Okay. So it's going to be at Moore Park. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun game. Is that I'm a Saturday sure. deal? I, I'm not sure exactly okay. when or if it's going to be a prep zone or whatnot yeah. game. Yeah. But that yeah, should keep be your fun. eye on that one. I think people yeah. think, oh, there's no Spencer Rattler. Pinnacle doesn't have a chance. Dude, Pinnacle's really good. I was watching their highlights that they put. Uh, from the Mountain Point game two weeks ago, and they got a bunch of athletes. And Jenny nice. Johnson, obviously, no one's Spencer Rattler, but Jenny Johnson, not bad to have your back quarterback with three offers, including an in state offer from, from Arizona. So, no question. that'll be fun. Yeah. No, that uh, that's very interesting. Hey, move Spencer Rattler to receiver. I'm sure Spencer would love to hear that. Yeah, but uh, no, that's that's interesting. A six four kid who's a backup that's just lighting up the scoreboard. So I'll be interested to look at his tape as soon as I get home. Waiting his time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, sometimes patience is a virtue. Me, you know what? Most times patience is a virtue, but uh, you know, not everybody subscribes to that magazine. Regardless. Those are our top performers of last week. Congratulations to all you guys. Keep balling out and doing your thing. We got eyes on you, man. We're watching your tape. We're reading the articles. We're looking up your stats. If you ball out, we're going to call you out. That's just how we do. We show love here on Transparent Truth, but we keep it a buck. You know, if you and if you're not balling out, you won't get no love. And matter of fact, if you're not balling out, I might just call you out because that's just how I do. All right. GB, it's time for us to move on, my man. Let's talk a little bit game recaps. What do we got, Greg? Yeah, so I was at the Honor Bowl yes. all day on Saturday, three games. The first game was Oaks Christian taking on Eastside Catholic. And uh, these games are all at Cathedral Catholic in San Diego. I, I, I expected a little bit more, I'll be honest, out of Eastside Catholic. They got so many dudes. I mean, they got so many guys, all of them young. Uh, G. Scott, JT, uh, Tuamalau, um, Aiden Hector, DJ Rogers. They, they got a lot of D1 players, but man, Oaks Christian dominated from the get go. The game was never that close. The final score was 35 to 12, and it was just a whole lot of Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, Kayvon Thibodeau might be the highest rated player uh, on the team. Kayvon was okay. Mm-hmm. He kind of shows flashes and he'll take seven or eight plays off. Yeah. Charbonnet is the real deal. And I think we have him as like a top three running back nationally, but this kid has gotten so much better than last year. We already liked him a lot last year. He's bigger. He said he's put on 15 pounds since the offseason. Yeah. He was running over guys. And it was one of those deals where he did about three times where he kind of run down the sideline. And rather than, you know, kind of go out of bounds, 
he would put his shoulder pad and just level a poor DB trying to go and push him out of bounds. The first, second, third guy never takes him down. He's got more of a burst, a little more wiggle. He just seems like he's more patient. Again, talking to Charlie Collins after the game, he, you know, he said Eric Dickinson's been good for him, teaching him how to run. It's not just about you see a hole burst through it. I mean, he's and you can kind of just see. I, I don't want to say he was Le'Veon Bell, but man, just the patience was was really interesting to watch. Just a different style from what I saw. I know you saw him against Shamanad. Yeah, this is really my first time seeing him this year since last year because it didn't, doesn't do anything over the summer in terms of off season. I walked away, and everybody, I mean, talking to Tracy Ford, who was there watching his Washington boys, he was like, that is as good a running back as I've ever seen in person. And Tracy's <laughs> been around. Dude, Tracy has been around, right? Yeah. And he was he was unreal. Defense played really well. Um, you know, kind of some, some, some names of, of guys that I didn't go in expecting to talk about. Jack Lenthal. Mm-hmm. Did you notice him in the Shamanak yes. game number 44? Yes. Outside back? Did he, yeah. did he make some plays? Yes, he did. He was, very, he was very active. I think that kid's really good. He was the most active player on their defense that game. You know, Josh Calvert kind of in and out because he's playing quarterback. So, you know, he was out there full time. But secondary looked, looked pretty good. You know, for east side, G. Scott was, was really good. Made some great plays. They just couldn't get him the ball. D.J. Rogers was, was excellent as well. Rogers got MVP for their side, and Charbonnet got MVP for Oaks. But Oaks looks really good. This is this is their this is a fun team to, to watch because right now they're still a little bit on the one dimensional side. Bryce Farrell doesn't get used too much, but yeah. just because they attack pretty well on defense and they got a difference maker running the ball, and teams are going to have to make them. They're going to have to throw the ball eventually. And, and Charlie says they can. They just haven't shown it yet. So we'll see if he's you know being totally upfront with that or if he isn't worried at all. He didn't seem to be. But it was a dominant win, and Zach Charbonnet, man, I'll tell you what, I walked away going, this guy is really special. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you combine the attributes that he possesses, which is size, speed, physicality, and strength, along with you know enough footwork and foot speed to sidestep, jump cut, cut back on people that presents a huge problem to a defense because you don't know if he's going to run past you run you over or break you down that added weight that added strength that he's put on has done him wonders he's running with a better pad level he used to be a very upright runner last year i don't know if you remember that greg but to me it's very evident he used to be very upright kind of like adrian peterson now when he's coming through the holes he has his shoulders down he has his knees up he's giving you minimum body shots to hit you you can't get into his body because he's picking his knees up and he's got his shoulders tucked and that way it helps him run with a forward lean it helps him with contact balance staying on his feet through hits uh busting off tackles breaking arm tackles charbonnet the pro football hall of fame all-american running back is a special football player, there's no doubt. You talked a little bit about Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, took us some plays off, but also he made some plays. I, I saw maybe the first half of the first quarter, um, and I was trying to get a glimpse of JT Tuimaloa, a guy I have not seen in person and just really haven't seen much play football at all. How did he look for you, Greg? Because, I, again, I, I maybe saw him one series, and I couldn't tell he anything. Was, no, he was quiet, too. Yeah. And those are the two guys that I thought, you know, we thought would put on a show. And, you know, again, talking to Tracy afterwards, it, they kind of feel like he's he's playing a little bit out of position. He's more of an outside linebacker, even though he's 260. I mean, the kid is huge. Yeah. Um, but they were playing him on the, on the defensive line. And, 
yeah, he just he just wasn't. He, he's an, he's an active kid. He plays hard. He plays with energy. But they were able to block him, and they were able to run the ball effectively. Not necessarily running at him. Um, I don't think they necessarily game plan to run away from him. But he was a kid who I was watching constantly, look wait for him to flash, and it just didn't happen that game. You know, credit Oaks. You know, their, their offensive line was strong and physical up front, and. Eastside wasn't really able to, to do much to adjust. So, but to, to piggyback on your Zach Charbonnet pad level, it was funny you say that because I was sitting up in the stands for a while with, with Bryce Farrell's dad, Jason, and we both said the exact, exact same thing. Hmm. The pad level is way different. Yeah. I mean, he's going through holes so much lower, and I think that's why he's got a, you know, a little more pop in his pads when he's, when he's pounding into people because obviously he's running lower. So, he made about three or four runs, and we both kind of look at each other, and he, I go, dude, pad level. And he's just like, dude, he's a different guy this year. And it's all about – and, again, you probably have to credit Dickerson a little bit for that, right, for teaching him, hey, it's easier to run when your pad level is low than when you're running straight up, and you're going to take some, take some serious shots. So, There's, there's no doubt about it. It's something I'm trying to teach my seven-year-old kind of as we speak. You know, those tall, linear kids, it's just so natural for them to run upright. Um, and it takes a lot of work and really a really uh, a focus and attention to detail to get them to, you know, run with a lean, drop their shoulders on contact. But Charbonnet doing a nice job. So congratulations to Oaks Christian. Well, really, really quickly, I want to shout out director of football over at Oaks, Roland Williams, former Super Bowl champion or not former Super Bowl, a Super Bowl champion, former Oakland Raider. Got a chance to speak with him on the sideline before the game against Chaminade. Great guy. Um, gets the big picture. Understands the importance of development. Um, and, you know, Charlie Collins as a head coach, a friend of mine, doing an outstanding job. Oaks off to a fast start. Very curious to see how they continue to develop that passing game as the season moves forward, Greg. If they do, they're going to be a bit of a problem down the road. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, they're, they're, they've played a tough schedule, right? They played Chaminade, who sure. look at what Chaminade's done in the last two weeks. They've been some pretty good teams. I, I think Oaks has – they're a lot more physical than than I expected to see. You know, usually you think of physical, you think of the training league along with Centennial. Right. But Oaks, they got some guys that can bang on that defense. So, I, I do like them. And, uh, no, they've done a nice job. Roland Williams – of the Raiders who are going to lose big this week, Keith. Oh, you talking trash early, GB? That's it's right, only, baby. it's We're only. Coming for him. Come on, man! It's good. That, that's going to be a guy. Hey, that's we, a nice Monday signed, night. We signed our best player, Keith. We signed our best guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to talk trash, but I'm yeah. just saying we we did Jeez. decide to do that. We thought that was kind of a good move. Oh my goodness! A lot going on hey, with how, those Raiders. How about we go to a game that we both watched? Uh, Cajon yes. took out Murray to Valley. 57-28 to 28 was the final. We already mentioned coming some of the stat stars. I don't think we need to regurgitate what Jaden did or Jonesy or Jay Perk, but just, you know, watching the game, what you, what'd you think? What was your overall observation? Maybe from, you know, Murray to Valley, obviously Hank tried his best. They lost a lot of good players from last year. Yeah. And then Cajon, again, you kind of touched upon it, but they're obviously number one in their division. I think probably a top 10 team in the Southern section overall, you know, Cajon, Mira the Valley, what was your kind of takeaways from those two teams? My takeaways were Cajon has difference makers all over the field. Um, Jaden Daniels, he's probably the top dual threat quarterback on the West coast. 
Uh, he looked fantastic. Um, I know he can throw the ball. He can throw with power. He can throw with accuracy, with anticipation. His ability to escape and run with the football, not only for first down grades, but I'm talking about explosive plays, 20, 30-plus yard gains, was impressive for me. Darren Jones, we've already talked about that. He's a stork on the outside that can make plays. Um, the versatility of Daniel Fortune, to me, is a difference maker for them. I didn't think that they had that type of difference maker in the backfield last year. His ability to run the football, break tackles, uh, catch the football out the backfield, create mismatch versus linebackers, and really turn five-yard passes into 50-yard touchdowns, uh, I think adds another dimension to that offense that they maybe didn't have last year. They're more of a downfield passing attack. Now they can dump it off and get chunk plays. Uh, Daniel Fortune is a big-time player. I have been screaming his praises for a while, and uh, he's really making me out to look like a, a prophet here. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Trayvon King, our sleeper of the week, but they have more than just him and, and him and Jonathan Perkins. Perkins is, is as active as a linebacker as you're going to find out here in Southern California. Um, he's blitzing up the middle. He's off the edge. He's in the backfield. He's spinning. You know, He's diving at guys. He's, he's so active and plays with a lot of energy. I love that about him. I think he's a great fit for Oklahoma, so congratulations on that and making that decision for him, but that defensive backfield, I think, is special. Rodney Robinson is a big-time 2020 kid that I love. He plays with an attitude, with a chip on his shoulder. He's physical. Um, he gets to the football in a bad mood. Cam Forrest is a ball hawk. How about Cam Stevens, the transfer? He's special to me on the outside. I don't think he gets the credit, or I don't think he's being valued enough in recruiting. I'm going to tell you right now, GB, I got a chance to watch him in that game. Even though you can't see all 22 you know, on the on the television screen because of the production and whatnot. But when I watch him, um, he has every trait you're looking for from a big-time college corner. I mean, he's got the length. He has the size. He has the instincts. He's a physical tackler. He runs to the football with energy and effort. I really like Cam Stevens a lot. Um, they have a really good defensive backfield. They have a really good football team. I'm a big Cajon Cowboy fan. I was last year. I'm an even bigger fan this year. And I thought they played with so much swagger and so much confidence and so much juice. Reminded me of the Eisenhower team back when Glenn Tompkins was the quarterback. And they ran roughshod, you know, over everybody in Southern California. That's what Cajon reminds me of with Jaden Daniels behind center. I would love to see them play some of the top-tier teams, some of the big dog squads out here. But I just love the, the the energy and the juice that they play with, man. I mean, the guys are spatted. They got towels hanging, T-shirts wagging out. I mean, they they doing it like we used to do it back in the day. Home Cowboys, I'm with you. I, I like how y'all do it up over there, man. You know, watching Jaden on that long touchdown, I don't remember how many yards, just call it 70 or whatever. But you kind of forget just how well the guy runs True. you know he's so smooth you know yeah, and he man. runs track yeah which i love i love double sport even three sport athletes but and when he got down to elton field dude he was like a gazelle running the football <sighs> i mean no not only were, people weren't even coming close to catching him so Jaden's a gamer right we saw him a ton over the summer and i'll be honest with you there were some events that i saw him where he was just okay for me okay and just when the pads on, he's a different guy. He just really looks a lot better playing for Cajon than he did at times this past year. So he gets it done where it matters the most with the pads on. And um, yeah, I'll co-sign with you, Mura de Valley again. Hank threw for three touchdowns, kind of run, ran for his life. You know, he's got yeah. Jack Yard, the young tight end, a couple other receivers. But yeah, I just think it 
could be a, a long-ish season for Majority Valley. Hopefully not too long. Hopefully they'll play teams that are not going to be as good as Cajon where Hank can go back there and, and do his thing. So I shop at Cajon. Hey, you know, Greg, really quickly, you brought up something yeah. I didn't know. Jaden ran track. I didn't know that. And I, he's developed athletically more than last year. I can tell you that right now. Like, it's a... A, a, a very noticeable difference, a noticeable birth, the stride length, the, the the turnover with his feet. He just looks like a perfect Chip Kelly quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's why he missed an Ike camp or the, the SoCal opening regional march because he had a track. Me, I think he runs like the one, the two, the four, the oh, relay. I love it. I, mean, I love a, it. He does a handful. I mean, it looks like a, he looks like a quarter mile yeah. mile or the way his body is built. But dude, he is smooth. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's how about move we along. go to a game, Keith? Uh, Calabasas, Londell. Yeah. Um, Calabasas took out Londell forty-one to twenty, and a nice win for Calabasas. Londell was coming off a win over Sierra Canyon. Calabasas coming off a loss to Jay Sarah the week before. Jaden Casey, as we mentioned before, he really rebounded. Struggled against Jay Sarah. A couple pick sixes this week. Different story. He threw for almost three hundred yards and again three touchdowns with a, a rushing touchdown. They got offensive weapons all over the place, so uh, they really played well. They were up big in the first half, like up like 18 points at one point. Uh, Wilmore held in check for the most part, had a couple late touchdowns. They kind of cut the lead down, and then Calabasas kind of pulled away again towards the end. So nice job by Calabasas. Again, not an easy team to play when you're coming off a loss at home this week, and they beat a Londell team who's you know who has proven to be a pretty good team. So nice job by Calabasas. First ever win for new head coach Chris Claiborne. Yeah, shout out to Chris and Coach Claiborne. Um, he's doing a good job with that Calabasas team. I know they took an L the first week, uh, but they come back to get a W versus a pretty good Lindale team. Calabasas, they don't lack for talent. They got as much skill talent as anybody in the country, um, and they got it done versus the Lindale Cardinals, I believe they are. And uh, they have a very, very strong preseason schedule. So hopefully they can build off this win, catapult themselves to this upcoming week's game, which we'll preview on Friday show. But again, uh, Calabasas putting things together. New transfer, Jermaine Burton is a special player on the outside to go along with five-star Johnny Wilson and the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy, All-American Micah Pittman. The Calabasas Coyotes getting in the W column. Looking forward to the next big matchup and uh, getting prepared to really compete for a CAF championship in their division, GB. No, I totally agree. And let's move on. Westlake versus Oxnard, a couple of 2-0 and teams. This one sounded like it was a great game. I wish I could have been there just to kind of see the game from the game matching up. J.R. Waters for Oxnard, Camp Abby Clowner for Westlake. But Westlake ended up beating Oxnard 24-20 at one point. Uh, Westlake was up early. I, I, from what I understand, five or six turnovers, a little bit of an ugliest game, but still both teams defensively uh, really competed. Dominic Brown is kind of one of those 6'1", 6'2", long defensive backs for Oxnard that I think a lot of people are going to really be kind of intrigued by. Um, and I, I, I think both these two teams are going to make nice runs. I think Oxnard is number one in Division Six. Uh, Westlake is going to have a really good season. Gabe Toy was a pick six in this one. I mentioned Jared Waters. He had a touchdown, uh, 30-yard on that one. They got Jason Heller, uh, Marco Satterman. They're still waiting for some players to get back, to get eligible, to get healthy. So 
Westlake has has a really strong team. Oxnard hung around. Again, John Mack, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's going to get those guys ready to go. Just too many turnovers for, for them to win. But uh, nice win for the Westlake Warriors over Oxnard, 24-20. Again, at one point, Oxnard cut it to 21-20, was going to go for two, had a penalty, decided to go for the kick and missed the extra point. So instead of being tied, now it's 21-20, to and then Westlake tacked on a late field goal to win with that final score of 24-20. to You know what? We talked about how this was going to be a really good game. That matchup inside the matchups with the corner, Fab, and then JR. What about Jason Heller? He, I know he was a part of our stat sheet stuffer, a player of the week. Has anybody stopped this kid? Nope. I mean, he's eating weekly, Greg. It's like every week is Thanksgiving for this guy. Give me that turkey. Give me that ham. <laughs> I need my stuffing and my macaroni and cheese and yams. Jason Heller, the five foot eight, 175-pound slot running back. I mean, he's catching it. He's running it. He's in the end zone every Friday, and uh, he's having a special start to the season. Shout out to him because I know how hard this kid has worked, and we've spoken on multiple occasions. He's, he's, he's hungry. He's eating. And he ain't fooled yet, GB. <laughs> Watch the stats every week. Jason Heller, he's going to keep getting money. Watch what I tell you. Let's move along. So, Corona Centennial took on Pittsburgh from Northern California. Centennial won that one 35-7. Kind of an interesting game. And this is the third game in a row that Centennial continues to do the, the two-quarterback system. I, I like both kids, Carter Freeland, Ala Makale. But I think it might be coming down – uh, maybe at least one more game of this, but it's, I think it's starting to become a little more clear. You know, Carter Freeland really looks like the, the stronger thrower, at least right now. And he had a big game with three touchdowns and over 200 yards. And I feel like he's been kind of the more consistent quarterback. And I know Coach Logan is all about building team chemistry. And one way to do that is by playing, you know, multiple guys, right? He rotates running backs. Kinslow and Cortez rotates quarterback. It's, it's, he's got a formula. It's worked forever. And he's forgotten more about football than any of us will ever know. I- I'm just making a statement. I-, I really think the Freeland kid looks like he might be separating himself just a little bit. But again, Centennial with a with a win. And, you know, it's interesting, Keith. This is the second win, second time out of the three wins they have where they haven't really run the football at all. Average 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, Kinzo and Cortez combined for less than 100 yards. Uh, in the Chandler game, Keith, they didn't run the ball very well. And that's kind of a staple. Again, kind of mentioned Oaks Christian right now, kind of being a little bit one-dimensional. With Centennial, you know, their their staple has always been those wide splits, that quick running back hit that hole, and getting six, seven, eight yards a pop. That hasn't happened yet for them. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, when that running game is going to start to click. Obviously, Pittsburgh is huge up front. I mean, it's not just Jacob Bandis who had a big game. He had like five or six tackles for loss. But they got a bunch of other guys at Pittsburgh that are so they're real big up front, strong, physical. Obviously, they took what the defense gave them. Reggie Radcliffe, you mentioned him already. The staff stars, the two touchdowns, over 100 yards passing. I, I just it's just weird for me to look at the stats after a game and not see you know 250 yards rushing in the in the stat column, but 92 yards. This again is the second game out of three games, Keith. They haven't, they haven't been able to run it yet. Hey, listen. If anybody's going to figure out what it's going to take or what it takes to get their offense to lean on their bread and butter, 
it's going to be Matt Logan or be smart enough to understand that this team isn't constructed to run for 300 yards a game. It's constructed to run for 150 yards a game and then put the emphasis on your short passing game, your superstar wide receiver, and Reggie Ratliff, and I can't say his name right, I'm just calling him Big Reggie on the outside, um, in, in their vertical passing game. A la Carter doing a great job at quarterback. I think this team... Their DNA isn't to run the football. We talked about how they had to replace Solo Valpulo and a bunch of other linemen up front. They're young and experienced up front. Even though they're doing a solid job pass protecting, they're not doing a poor job running the ball. Um, it's just not as effective and productive as, as it has been in the past, which means they need to continue working and develop that part of their game to become a more balanced offense. But maybe they throw to set up the run. Because this team is constructed a little bit differently than the teams in the past for Coach Matt Logan and the Centennial Huskies, GB. No doubt. And they lost all five, you know, O-linemen from last year. What Matt called one of his better offensive lines. But again, I've been watching them for over 20 years, Keith. And they've never, in that time, not been able to run the ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Always, and they have two quality running backs. And I don't want to throw the O-line under the bus. So I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's weird. I think I used the word weird. It's just different. It's just kind of weird not watching them dominate with their ground game. They're going to find ways to score points, but yeah, it, just, it seems like it's a different Centennial team, at least right now through three games. And, you know, again, I'm not looking at Centennial right now. I'm looking at Centennial against Bosco in modern day. And if they can't get more than 2.7 yards to carry against Pittsburgh, it's going to be tough to do that against modern day and against Bosco, and I don't think you want to have Brew McCoy and Cole Aubrey pin their ears back and coming after your quarterback. It's going to be tough to put up 35 points against those guys. So I have the Huskies at a very, very, very high standard. Hopefully they can get that together. Again, they're winning games in dominating fashion. The D-line again, Corey Foreman, Drake Jackson, they're all killing it. Love it. Just want to see them run the ball. Hey, how about we go to La Habra and Mission Vejo, Keith? Or did you have any final thoughts on no. Centennial Pittsburgh? We're good? No, yeah, let's move it. So an unhappy Chad Johnson with that 28-14 to 14 win over La Habra. Chad was not a happy camper, Keith. He felt like they played poorly. He felt like they had a good first half and then just kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of sucked away the second half, you know, with penalties on every single drive. Um, just wasn't as efficient as he wants. And I think that's a mark of a good team and a, and a great coach is, not going to be satisfied with the win. You always want perfection. And the best time to really teach your guys a lesson many times is after a win when you're kind of feeling good about yourself and Chad's going, no. Look, we just beat a good team, but this is not acceptable at Mission and Viejo High School on my watch. Jojo Forrest, big game, Keith, and he's had a great offseason. You saw him multiple times and said he'd be a weapon on offense, and he was. He had a 47-yard touchdown and also a 51-yard pick six to the house. Love seeing Jojo Forrest do his thing. Uh, in a losing effort, Clark Phillips always has at least one dynamic play every game. He had another nice little jump ball, touchdown in the corner of the end zone for La Habra. They're 0-3 right now, but I think I don't really um, always agree with him, but Eric Sondheimer had a great quote. Probably the best 0-3 team in the state is La Habra. Yeah. We look and see the teams that they played already. Upland and Michigan are two of the top 10 teams in, maybe in California. So uh, La Habra kicks on the chin a little bit, played well, lost 
28-14. Mission Viejo. Just win, baby. Pulled it out. Wasn't pretty. But you know what? It still counts the same. You know, my hat is off to the La Habra program. I mean, you know, it takes a certain type of individual who's leading the program to schedule up, right, Greg? Uh, you know, nobody wants to see their team go out and lose, but who wants to see their team go out and be challenged and compete uh, versus high-profiled, highly regarded programs? It's kind of like, you know, youth football right now, to be honest with you, Greg. Everybody wants to hold their kid back so they can kick get an advantage. But who's going to have their kid play up and be challenged? Or who's going to have their kid play at their you know their appropriate age group and be challenged versus other kids with their ability La Habra program reminds me that they're playing up they're scheduling up they're playing tough competition which is going to lead them to being prepared for success in league play and in the playoffs so we'll see how this develops and transpires over the course of time but I like what they've done They've got a good football team. Quarterback Ryan Zanelli is 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 a is a grinder behind center. He's a tough kid, taking a lot of shots, but he's delivering the pill. Clark Phillips, maybe the best two-way player in the state of California right now. The kid is special. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame, Academy All-American, and he's eating every week. Uh, there was a beautiful catch in the corner of the end zone, toe tap with his feet down. JoJo Forrest with a big game for Mission Viejo. And uh, Coach Chad Johnson, not happy, but uh, he gets the W, and it's time to move on, GB. It is time to move on. I love Clark Phillips. I might have to lean toward Brew McCoy for that best two-way athlete, but I, I see where you're going yeah. with Clark Phillips. Maybe I, was I was talking 2020. I was talking 20. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't go. specify. My bad. No disrespect to my guy, Bruiser. Hey, how about this one, Keith? Much closer than anyone expected, except for maybe the Bishop Amont Lancers. They lost to Jay Sarah 21-20, to and here's how close this one was. Bishop Amont scores the minute left in the game, goes for two, which I love. I don't care. I just It's high school football, it's high school right? Football. I they go for two and the win sure. every. Even if you don't make it, it's still the, it's still the right call because it's high school football, and you go for the win because it's fun to do. Went for two. Um, incomplete pass in the end zone. Could have been holding. Uh, Lanches weren't complaining too much. I guess they, they benefited from a couple PIs to get that, you know, get in the end zone in the first place. So, uh, rough call, but they'll, you know, again, 21 to 20. So, Bishop Amont, this is a game where Jay Sarah was up early and going in for the game, probably clinching score. At this point, I think it's like 21 to 7. It's about to be 28 to 7. And Canyon Bell throws a pick near the end zone. So, instead of going in 20 to 7, uh, it's 21 to 7 still. Amont scores. Now it's 21 to 14. Amont scores again. Now it's 21 to 20. And Jay Sarah just had to hang on for this one. I'm just hanging on for dear life. You know, Chris Street was their guy over 117 yards and two touchdowns for the Lions. But a little bit of a struggle moving the football offensively. Bitch Amont was able to kind of control them, didn't allow Caden Bell to do too much. 117 yards for street, but that was about it for the running game. Uh, we've said it before, Vermont's good, yeah. right? They've, and they, and they've, they play everybody. They've already played Modern Day. They, they played Paramount. So this is their third game against a quality team. They're not going to be intimidated at all. Great tradition. Coach Haggerty does a great job. Tell you what, man, we have been on that J-Star bandwagon like crazy, Keith, but yeah. they almost let us down. They almost took an L to, to Bishop Vermont over the weekend. 21-20, to 20, they better play 
a little bit cleaner and a lot better if they want to beat Pinnacle out of Arizona. You know what? Weekend. You know what, Greg? It, it leads me back to my college years, and and as our listeners, especially the young guys, they get older, they'll learn from other people. I remember learning from my college head coach. Everybody's not built to handle success. Reminds me a little bit about this J. Sarah program. They got a quick rise. Got some transfers in. You got this quick ascension with your program. But are they ready to handle the success? For instance, teams who are not ready for that to handle that success, Greg, uh, they start believing in their press clippings. They started feeding into what Coach Keith and Greg Biggins have been saying on the Transparent Truth. They, they start reading their recruiting material. And next thing you know, you lose that edge. That chip on that shoulder becomes a cookie. You, you, got, you can't fall into that truck. You can't drink that Kool-Aid. You need to stay hungry, Jay Sarah. You got to be able to handle success. You see your name in the paper. You see you're putting up points and numbers. You got to be able to keep those things in perspective and still come out and practice hard, play hard, and execute the game plan that Coach Harlow has for you. Not sure why. They've got to get Chris Street more involved. 117 yards not enough for me. He's a special running back. 150-plus per game should be the goal for him and them over at J. Sarah. Uh, so they got to do a better job for me handling success. And if they do, they have a shot to knock off one of those big dogs in that Trinity League. If they don't, they're going to get a big piece of humble pie, GB. They will, and they will agree on all counts. And the last game, we kind of touched upon it only toward the end of the show on Friday, and that was the Sarah Cavaliers taking on Cathedral Catholic, the host of the Honor Bowl. And you know what, Keith? I was, I was, it was a little disappointing because yeah, come on, talk to so, me. I, I was so excited about Sarah's team this year. You know, again, love the coaching staff, Chris Calvin, obviously Scott Altenberg. Chuck Kimball, it's a great staff, fun yeah. guys. Marv, Marvin Pollard, great guy, great coach. Now they got my guy Ivan Stevenson over there coaching DBs. They look really good, beating a quality Sarah team from San Mateo. San Mateo, yes. The week before, I'm going, okay, this is it, right? Sarah always starts off slow. Keith, this year it's going to be different. This is a different Cavalier team. They got Doug Brunfield, who, by the way, looked great again. They got all those receivers. They got everything that's setting up for them to have a special year. So what happened, GB? Talk to me. Cathedral Catholic, and you know what? I'm not going to name him, but as I'm walking out of halftime, <laughs> one of my coaching buddies at Sarah looked at me and goes, same old Sarah. And what that meant was penalties, mistakes, mm. guys missing assignments, and then – I don't know if this is necessarily a mistake, but it's kind of a same old Sarah thing. Cathedral pounded the rock right at them between the tackles. Sean Poma, who's not big, no, strong as heck. Yes. And he was getting chunks of yardage, and they couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't run the ball. Yeah, and it's as simple as, and that's football, right? That's if you football. Can't run Greg. the ball, yes. and you can't stop the run. It doesn't really matter how you'll you'll win games because you got really good skill talent. But against really good teams, you're not going to win games if you can't stop the run and you can't run the football. 
Again, Brumfield was really good. I just, for me, you can see how much more confident he is this year. So much, so decisive with his throws and his reads. He threw for 370, Keith. I don't know why we didn't mention him in the stat stars. I think I forgot to look him up. But 370 and two touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned LV. For me, watching him up close, I, I see so many high school receivers who fight the football, double catch it, have to really look it in. LV does as good a job as anybody I've seen this year in terms of, man, he's a, the ball, you don't hear a sound. He gets it, boom, and he's off, and he's running. And it, there's such an advantage to those guys. We don't sure. have to slow down, mm-hmm. catch it, and take off. Man, he's in one motion, man. He's catching it, going, he's all hands, doesn't fight the ball. He is a pure pass catcher. I don't know if you saw the tweet, tweet of him. He had a, a Odell Beckham like one-handed grab. That was unbelievable. Melquan Silva also had a good game with, with seven catches. But again, they, they and, and I don't get, you know, Armstead's a pretty good-looking running back. He had like 51 yards in the first half around that. Um, averaged over five yards per carry. Jalen Armstead, I'm talking about. Sure. But yeah, defensively, they just were not able to slow down Cathedral Catholic, who gives them credit, dude. Their offensive line, Keith, was huge. Really? Like, these guys were huge, and they were men. Okay. Like, that's a really, really well-coached team. They know what they're doing. They don't, they don't have a, they didn't have a bunch of big, sloppy kids. These guys were, like, strong and played like. Like, that's a good team. Yeah. And they're all 260, 270, 280. Yeah. Really physical. And... They just pushed Sarah's front seven around, and we were getting five, six, seven yards a chunk. You know, their quarterback who played with Brumfield on that premium dime team, DJ Ralph, he only threw six passes the whole game, Keith. Sure. And two of those were touchdowns because, shoot, I mean, when you can get that many chunk yards, you can, you're going to see some some play action opportunities. And he had one touchdown he threw in the first half. There wasn't a guy, not, not sometimes you need to exaggerate to tell a better story. I'm like that. There's nobody within 30 yards of this kid. Yeah. And you're going, okay, where's the corner slash? I mean, it wasn't a trick play. It wasn't a play flicker. It was no, a just a play action. Yeah. Play action. He threw yeah. the ball, and there was no DB in sight. Six passes. That's all Ralph threw. It just, so credit Cathedral, but for Sarah, man, you, you got, they got to find a way to get a little more tough physical up front in that front seven. And then maybe try to establish a running game, take some pressure off Brumfield, but it, it was going to be a high-scoring game. You know, they scored in their opening drive, which was set up by I thought was a questionable. They called Sarah for a, a late hit on the quarterback, and mm-hmm. it was a football play where he actually the guy hit him as he threw it, and as the quarterback's falling down, the Sarah player is is holding on to him and helping him off the ground, and right. they still called. A flag, so that without on a third down play, they end up scoring. Sarah moves the ball into the red zone and fumbles. So instead of being seven seven, continue to get the ball, they score. So now you're looking at fourteen zero as opposed to seven on seven. And I just think Sarah never really got back in sync. It was only at halftime; it was only twenty one to seven. But you kind of just felt like if Cathedral comes out in the half, second half, and runs the ball again, the game's going to be over, and, and it kind of was. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Greg. That's very interesting. We got to get tougher, Greg. Got to get tougher. Not just the Sarah defense. Uh, not just here in Southern California. I'm talking on the West Coast. We got to get tougher. We got to become more physical. It just you know it doesn't sit well with me. You know we we run around playing seven on seven all off season. 
Who's in the weight room? Who's taking on blocks? Who's learning to get off blocks violently? Where, 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 where is this happening at? Because I'm not sure. I haven't seen it promoted on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever the case may be. We can run a route. We can catch a ball. But that's not football. Football is about blocking and tackling. Football is about going through a block and not around a block. Football is about finishing guys to the floor. We're not tough enough. And if you can remember back to this past weekend's college games, Auburn has the ball. It's third and seven. Washington can force them to into a field goal attempt. If they stop them, Auburn comes out and runs an inside zone and busts for a touchdown, runs the safety over. They're just tougher. You look at the UCLA game. Cincinnati's got the ball. It's fourth down and one and a half. If UCLA stops them, they can go down and win the game. If they don't, the game is over with. Fourth and one. Guy busts up the middle, virtually untouched. Touchdown. Game over. We just not tough enough. And I say we because I'm out here on the West Coast. We're not physical enough. We're not tough enough. I don't know if we love it enough. I don't know if we are putting in the work enough. I just don't believe in that type of football. I don't believe you want to be great when you play that type of football where you on fourth and one, a guy runs untouched for a touchdown. You know, on third and seven, a guy just busts up the middle, runs your safety over for a touchdown. For some reason, those boys down south, back east, Ohio, Alabama, Florida. Do they want it more than us, Greg? Talk to me. I don't know if they want it necessarily more. It's a different style of football. I will say this, Keith, from traveling the country, doing the Nike camps for, you know, 15 plus years. There just seems to be a much, much, much larger surplus of quality linemen on both sides of the ball in those particular states. For example, let's just say... This year, our number one D tackle is Jacob Bandis, right. right? We like Jacob. He's a great player. But you can go to Mississippi or Georgia or Florida and see 20 guys that are similar to him. I agree. You know what I'm saying? In the offensive line, you know, who's our, our best offensive lineman this year? Let's say it's, you know, Rodriguez or Tawanu sure. or Miles, right? Last year, Tommy Brown. You can go to some parts in Texas or some parts in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Alabama, again, those southern states and those Midwestern states, and whoever our best guy is, they have 20 guys that look just like him. And the gap between our number one, number two guy is usually pretty great out there. When I say they have 20 guys, I mean, all 20 are the same. So it's, it, it's equivalent to, you know, you trying to go play against Austin's team and them trying to tackle you and then saying, oh, you guys are soft. You can't tackle me. Well, you're twice as big as they are. You're stronger. You're tougher. You're meaner, right? Yeah. So, I, dude, I'm with you, though. I'm 100% with you. We, we're, we've always been more of a finesse yeah. type of deal out West Coast. It's just kind of how it's always been, except for maybe, you know, Washington. I loved Washington back in the day when they had Steve Atman. Yeah. And those 1991 Huskies. Absolutely. Teams. 
Even the Pete Carroll the teams. The Pete Carroll teams, yes. Cody, but even those Pete Carroll teams, man, like, I, I felt like they they were more similar to some of the Miami teams. They kind of won with team speed. They didn't just kind of physically overwhelm you. But right now, there's definitely a dearth. You can go watch a Big Ten slash and a high-level SEC team versus one of our teams. The same thing with high, with high school and just see a, a difference in just the physicality of the linemen, the size, the strength of the linemen, whether it's USC playing Ohio State last year and getting kind of smacked around, yeah. whether it's Cincinnati, who's not a good team, pushing UCLA around, whether it's Auburn pushing Washington around. It's just it's a different type of deal. And, again, I think part of it's because they just have more and better linemen out there. But I think they've also just got more of a tougher, you know. Mentality? I, I want to die on the field. Yeah. Kind of mentality. It's just going any given Sunday, right? Whoever's willing to die in that fight is going to win. Yeah. I just met the guys in the South, you know, they just, and I've seen it for 20 years. Sure. Yeah, I'm not just spouting this off. I've traveled the country for 20, 15 years, and I've seen it. And go to a camp at University of Miami High School camp, and those kids just look different. They just kind of have, kind of not to be corny, they kind of have more of an eye of the tiger. Where I was out here, I feel like our guys maybe have a little bit more of a self-entitled, you know, saying stupid stuff on Twitter. I'm the number one guy at my position. No, you're not. You're not, number one. And if you are, just shut up and prove it on the field. Right. You, you don't see that as much out there in the South. It's just, it's just different, a different mindset. You know, I went to college out there in the South, and it is, Greg. Uh, you know, I didn't tour the country like you did. I went to college with these guys. I played ball with these guys. These guys from Central Florida, South Florida, South Alabama, you know, Louisiana, New Orleans. I played with them. I played against them. It's a different mentality. I'm sorry. It is. And I was a tough football player. Uh, they have guys who are willing to die on the field. That's their only ticket out of their circumstance. It wasn't my only ticket. Um, but you could see the difference. They would be willing to do anything, uh, legal or illegal. They would be willing to do anything to beat the circumstance. And I think that shows up on Saturdays. Speaking of Saturdays, GB, we talked a little bit about the local colleges. Let's talk a little, really quickly about the debut of Amon Ross St. Brown and JT Daniels. Big day for Amon Raw. I heard it was kind of mixed emotions with JT. Uh, made a couple good throws. Made some 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 questionable decisions. Typical of a true freshman starting quarterback, but they get the W uh, over UNLV. I hear that. I hear SC gave up 300 yards on the ground, which is troubling, considering they play Stanford this week, and Stanford has a running back who's a Heisman Trophy candidate by the name of Bryce Love, and they're at Stanford. And the spread is USC plus four. If you're a betting man, I think you know where you need to go with that one. UCLA, they take an L to Cincinnati. Wilton Spate, starting quarterback, gets hurt, enters Dorian Thompson Robinson, the true freshman from Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. He struggles, uh, makes some throws, but mostly struggles, did not get very good pass protection. Uh, admitted after the game that he was a little nervous, typical. True freshman. He'll improve and get better. I'm a Dorian Thompson Robinson believer. I think he's special. Uh, how about Cashmere Allen? 75-yard touchdown run where he looked great, Greg. Explosive, fast, running away from the competition. I think he needs to get the ball more. How about that? Thought Chase Coda looked pretty good on the outside. 
UCLA offensive line needs to get better, though. There was pressure on Dorian Thompson all day long. Dorian looked good outside the pocket, throwing the ball on the move. Not so much inside the pocket. He had happy feet, throwing the ball off his back foot. Just, you know, the the rookie and experienced mistakes. Only a one-year starter at Bishop Gorman. They'll have to get that corrected. As they go on the road this week and they play Oklahoma, the Bukley, Buki Radley-led defense at Oklahoma, and they look like they have a national championship team at Oklahoma. Kyler Murray looked great. Buki did a solid job on defense. M- made a couple plays. Also missed a couple plays. I know he wants, he wish he had back. Uh, TJ Pleasure got in. Made some nice runs. So I'm just shouting out these Southern California guys that we all love and know. It was a nice debut for the Southern California freshmen going out playing ball. Anybody else you want that I fail to mention, GB, that you want to talk about really quick? No, man. I, I was at San Diego. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to see a lot. You know, I watched a little bit of the highlights from last night's game. Look at Jaden Woodby made some plays yeah, right, in that game. Yeah, that yeah. That was good to see. Yes. Um, true freshman starting. But, you know, hey, going back to the SC Stanford game, surprisingly, I saw that. I'm actually trying to look it up as we speak here, but Bryce Love, you mentioned Heisman favorite. He only had 29 yards rushing. Yes. Against SDSU. Yeah. As you know them pretty well. They're good. That's yeah. a really good football program. They they are really good up front. They always are. Even though yeah. they got their coaching staff went to uh, Arizona. Yeah, Bryce Love, eighteen carries for twenty nine yards, one point six average. So something's got to give here, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be USD. I, I think it's going to be USC's defense. Now, uh, you know, I don't want to get people mixed up. San Diego State. Always has a really good defense. Okay, number one, they got a defensive head coach, long time, well respected, best friends with Nick Saban, Rocky Long. Okay, uh, in addition to that, they do a great job, especially when a team is one dimensional, right? In Stanford, it was a little one dimensional. Now, Stanford's passing game kind of took control and took over the game in the second half, but they had eyes and ears locked in on Bryce Love, and they were hitting him. SDSU, I know personally, is a very physical program. If you look at them over the past five years, Greg, they lead almost lead the country in rushing every year in their top 15 in run defense every year. So with those things being said, you can draw the conclusion that, hey, Bryce Love was not going to have a big game. They were going to focus and pay attention to detail versus that Stanford running game. They were going to force quarterback Costello to beat them through the air, which he did. He didn't look good early in the game. He actually looked really poor. Uh, but Isaiah Whiteside, the receiver, really stepped up, made some plays for him. Looked like he kind of got K.J. Costello's confidence up, and he finished the game strong. So uh, we'll see how that goes this week. Stanford at home versus USC, and then UCLA on the road versus Oklahoma, and they started off as a 25-point underdog, now up to a 30-point underdog. And um, it's going to be close. It's going to be tough for them to stay close. Is that Oklahoma team is really, really good, and we'll see how that shakes out. No, I, I agree. Oklahoma's a terrible matchup, especially on the road. Especially, you know, haven't really identified an offensive identity right now. Are they going to be up tempo? Are they going to be what are they going to be defensively? They got a chance to be decent this year, but not against Oklahoma. You can make a case the Sooners are probably one of the three or four best offensive football teams. Kyler Murray looked phenomenal in that game. And then defensively, man, it was fun watching Bookie fly around and, and do some things. Bookie, Radley, Hyle. So I think that 30-point spread, Keith, might be accurate. We'll see. I hope it's close. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope it's close. But just watching those two teams, it's just a different level of football right now. It's a different level. I'm sorry. And uh, I think UCLA is going to go get their lunch handed to them. They're going to take a whooping pretty badly. But that brings us to the end of today's show. A little bit of a long show, but a lot of really good information. I hope you guys enjoyed it, listeners out there. Please follow us on all our social media platforms. We're out there. Um, without further ado, from my man Greg Biggins, it's your boy Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>